tonight, if you've got your Bible there, turn over. We're going to continue in this book of Acts. What a wonderful book of encouragement. Uh, get us stirred up, and, uh, and we, we want the Lord to move with His mighty presence. And tonight, we're going to look at the title of God's plan to fix problems in the church. Did you, can you believe that even in the church of Acts, that problems rise? Or even today, I mean, it's hard to believe that, but even good godly people can face trouble in, uh, in church if we don't let the Lord help us. And so God's got a plan and he gives it to us here in these first seven verses. We're going to stay right there in those seven verses tonight. And if you've got that, Acts chapter 6, the first seven, you could stand with me tonight as I read the word, and we will, uh, we will talk about God's plan for dealing with problems in the church. Verse 1 says, and in those days... Now, let me give you this. They've just the Spirit's poured out, and so the church has been growing. There's thousands coming into the church uh, we've already had the Ananias and Sapphira uh, judgment and people pulled back. There's a decrease, people that was worried that they weren't living right, they kind of pulled back. And then now new revival, there, God's been shaking and moving and the apostles preaching and there's been thousands saved. And now we look at chapter 6 and it says, And in those days when the number of the disciples, that's the Christians, were, was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and uh, Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. God's plan for dealing with problems in his church. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we pray that, God, you would open our eyes, that we would see, God, that you have a wondrous plan you're working. And, God, that as we do that, Lord, we're going to run into issues. The enemy will try to come and thwart your efforts. And, God, it doesn't mean you're not on the throne, but, God, if we'll look to you, you'll give us strength, you'll give us direction, you'll give us wisdom, you'll give us the answer, and, God, your church will march on. We're facing troubles in this last hour. 
hour, the church is being uh, attacked. Christianity is being marginalized. Lord, uh, belief in you has been uh, pushed to the side, God. There is rebellion against you. And God, we need the church to stand up stronger than ever before. And I pray, God, you would open our eyes that we would be the church, filled with your spirit and presence, and that, God, your light would go forth. And, God, you would open our eyes, and, Lord, you would have your way in this service tonight. Thank you for your presence and power. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated. God's plan to fix problems. Now, if you're like me, I don't like problems. I would rather do without problems. I, I like to get up and I like all the good news and I like to look in the bank account and there's still money in there. I like to get to work and nobody comes knocking on my door for the first two hours. I like to just not have problems. I like to not be hurting anywhere. I like to have everything kind of going smooth sailing into where it's just wonderful. But that's not what we always face. And it's, it's no different in this church. If you look at what's going on in the church, and it carries on 2,000 years later. There is problems that happens in churches. And what the main problem is, is churches are filled with people. We're humans. We can, every one of us has our own uh, uh, issues or comes with our own uh, preconceived ideals. And, and we have our own uh, weaknesses and we have our own little conflicts. And so when you bring and the, and the church is growing at such a large pace, there is problems that rise up. And we're going to look at that. And so when we're dealing God's issue here and the way he's dealing with problems is first we got to identify the problem. We don't want to do that. We don't want to, We need to see the problem. I can imagine when this, this issue came up, the temptation could be, and I know people like this, and I would like to be like this, sometimes I am, I guess, just to say, okay, let's just forget about it and see if it goes away. <laughs> let's just forget about it. Let's just, let's, let's just, okay, it's not that big an idea. I was thinking about some of the things that they could have done. We're going to look at the problem first because it says and in those days, uh, right when things were going wonderful, and, and we see revivals happening. And the move of God is happening. And, and the church is growing so fast, they don't even know where to put everybody. And, and, and the people's doing wondrous things. they got people bringing money and giving it to the apostles to take care of the needs. And just seems like everything is wonderful until one day a problem cre uh, creeps up. And, and that's the way the enemy works, by the way. And so we see there that it says, what was the problem? There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. They're all Jews uh, because their widows were neglected in daily ministration. So when you look at what's going on behind the scenes, and, and I'm not sure that there was, there, there is a, a good chance, there is a chance that this was unknown, that it was just so many people, so many thousands of people that they didn't know this problem was occurring. You've got to kind of understand what exactly who these people are. You see, this is, you've got your, uh, you've got your Jews that were raised in Jerusalem and raised in Israel. Their primary language is Aramaic. Uh, and so they speak Aramaic. And at the same time, because Rome has conquered the known world at that time, kind of like the way English, America and England has influenced the world to speak English. 
And it's because the, the world wants to be able to communicate with us because and our language is predominant. In fact, when I went to Italy and even in France, I went there and I didn't have this. I was worried about this language barrier because I don't know. Very, I know enough French words to get me in trouble and I didn't know any Italian words. And so I thought we're in trouble. But no, they know the English language. And that's the same effect that was going on in this church. And in fact, the very fact of what I'm talking about, the fact that the, the Roman Empire had conquered and the, the, the Greek language had crossed the world, was crossing the world. They were forcing them to use the Greek language. It was an opportunity for the Word of God to go forth and for the even preaching and the Word of God to go forth and everyone to be able to be reached instead of having this language barrier. So it's a, it was all in the plan of God. But we know that these, these Jews that were from Jerusalem, these real Jews, they spoke Aramaic and Greek. Well, it's talking about this, this problem that's came up. It's some of these new Christians, and they're talking about these Grecians. And these Grecians were these Hellenists. They, you'll also see them called Hellenists. And what they are, they are, there's, there's a couple of different ways they can be called this. They are either Jews that were from outside of Israel, and they spoke a different language and Greek, but they were outside of Israel. Some of these were even proselytes. Some of these were people who were Gentiles who converted over before Christ came to the Judaism and they were Jews. They had converted over to accept God as their God. <clears throat> and the Jews were okay with that, but they kept them at arm's distance. They could only go so far in the temple. They had limitations and they looked down on these people. They even, some of these, these uh, Grecians brought into the church because as they came in, they still uh, held to some of the, uh, some of, they had accepted some of the Greek practices. And so some of the Jews, there was outside the church, that was clearly documented outside of the church in the Jewish people realm, there was conflicts that was happening between these two groups of people already. And so, without a doubt, they've come into the church as Christians now, and these same problems were starting to creep even into the church. And it was because of their different their language barriers and the fact that even some Jews, it, it's hard to believe, it, it, we don't see, we, we don't realize that, you mean a Jew or a Christian could be prejudiced a little bit? They could look down their nose at other people, uh, that they might discriminate against another person, that they may not be taking care of some of these widows the way they do their own. And so there is a lot of biblical writers that says there is this, this spirit is kind of creeping into the church, and it's because it's growing so fast. And so there is these, these, these little problems that's crept into the church. So the, we see that the apostles has got to do something very quickly. They were very tempted. And it doesn't tell, and it looks like, and we're going to look at that in a minute, they dealt with this quickly. And Lord, it was, it was a wonderful answer that they came up. And in fact, when they, in fact, it says this word we're going to look at in verse 2. When it's talking about in verse 2 about serving tables, that they said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. This word, just trying to give you, just give you a little background so you understand what they're dealing with. This, back, this word table here can mean two things. This table, this, this daily ministration that it says in the King James uh, and other ones has administration or, or is talking about, most people say that it's 
the, the, the giving bread every day, as they were breaking bread and they were providing for the people that had need, they were, they were leaving out these Grecian widows. But it also can mean even more. That same word, trapezius, is actually a word used for uh, a money table and banking. So we know that some, even the apostles, had given uh, their, uh, uh, not apostles, but some of these Christians and disciples had given, sold their land and brought money and said, you take care of whoever needs finances. And so there is some writers that says it was not only bread, but these widows who different than now, we, we, our, our government looks out for widows and our government looks out for people that has needs and some people who don't have needs. But they take care of people who has needs for the most part. And, but there was not, in this culture, their husband was the one and their families were the one who would have had to take care of these needs or they would just go without and so there was this cry from these Greek Jews that was saying, you all are not taking care of our people's needs. And so that was, we see the problem was it came up and, it, and they were even possibly a little prejudiced. And so this crept up. And in our lives, listen, let me, I don't want to go past this too quickly because we are in that culture right now. We are dealing with people are being charged that we are treating people differently. Now, I don't believe it's as bad as they're saying it is. I think in the past it could have been. I don't believe it's quite as bad. But let me tell you something. I, sometimes I have God check my own heart. We need to make sure that's not the case. It, we need to make sure that we don't look at other people like what's going on in the church. Because what's going Listen, just as it was going to impact the church and stop revival that was going on in the church, it will stop revival in the church today. If we come into God's house and we look at a different, either a race or people with a different culture or people with a different skin color or someone who has a different social abilities than we do, they may not look like we do, they may not smell like we do, they may not dress the way we do, and we look at those people and we say, God, uh, they're wonderful people, but thank God I'm like that, that uh, hypocrite said, thank God I'm not like that person. Do you know I was thinking about as I was preparing for this, and sometimes I have to watch my own thoughts. You look at someone who is so full of sin, those ones that, even some of the ones, of course, we look at people different when we love them and we're praying for them, but do you look at some people that you have pretty much written off, and you said, that person can't be saved, that person's went too far, that person's committed too many sins, that person is too far from God, and boy, their life is shipwrecked. Sometimes we look at them and think, boy, that's, you're pitiful, but do we ever really look at them and say, do you know that God loves them and is pursuing them and has just as good of plans for them as he does you? Amen. You know, when you look, I was thinking about that, that place right into the, the story of the prodigal son. We focus when we read the prodigal son. We are focusing on that son that left. That's who we focus on. But do you know what? Many, many writers have said that's not who the real focus is. The focus is on the, the son that's, that's left, that stays there. Because even though he's there, the, the, the son that left, he knows he's a, he's a, his heart's wicked. He knows and God can reach him because he's out there. And when I was a sinner, there was no question. I was a miserable wretch. Why? I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was far from God. But there was that brother that was left in the house. And he was there trying to still serve his father. But his heart was just as wicked as that son that went out and ran off. And so he thought he was okay. And we don't even see it surface until the son comes back. And he looks at him and he says, you mean you would love that son? You're, he wouldn't even call him his brother. That son that left you and mocked you. And you're going to love that son as much as you love me? 
He couldn't understand it because he thought he was better. And his father should look at him with more respect. And he should love him more. But that father loved that wayward son just as much as he did that other son. Just like you would your children. But sometimes we've got to make sure we look at the lost and those people that are not like us and realize God died for them just as much as he did you. And so I don't want to, I didn't want to get past it too quickly. That's not the main focus, but I, I didn't want to go past that. But we need to realize that God is working even in our lives. We need to be the people that pray for, love, reach for. And even the more different they are, God help us and God starting me, that I would reach for people that doesn't make me feel comfortable. And we need to love them. And that's what will turn this situation around. And uh, so, you know what else causes problems? Whenever you make a move to where we've talked about this, toward the things of God, church is making revival, and, and their preaching is going forth, and thousands are getting saved. People's lives are being transformed. We see God doing great and mighty things, and all of a sudden the devil will find any inroad he can to come and stop revival. We, we see it as a problem, and we need to realize that it is a move to stop the move of God in our lives, our families. How many times have you seen that, that your things are moving great, and all of a sudden something you didn't even see comes from the right field, and it gets in the way of that, and you've got to handle it quickly, and you've got to handle it right. So we, we see, we got to realize the, the trouble is that we got to see the problem. Then we need to look, look at what's the priority. They clearly define, the Lord defines, you see the problem, it's got to be dealt with, then he, they list the priority. Here it is. We're going to look at verse 2 and 4. It says, then the twelve, the apostles, who'd been preaching and seeing revival, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. Don't tell how long it took. It didn't seem like it took very long. And said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, uh, but give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This word, let me, let me, let me tell you. So they, they give the priority, but I want this word right here because you'll miss it. This word at this verse 4, it says, they, so they said that the priority was this. We cannot, this is a problem and it needs to be fixed. But the problem so many times, and I deal with this by the way. I deal with this so many times. I, I get all these ideals. Mom and dad knows this. They try to calm me down every once in a while. I have all these ideals, and I try to do more than I probably should, and I'm trying to make things better in my mind. But if I don't watch, then I will spend too much time on stuff that's not the main thing, and, it'll, and it will tax me on the stuff that's more. You know what the most important thing for me? Prayer, the Word of God. There's the two things. They got it right. Is if you want God to bless your life, if we want our church, then, then, then those in ministry have got to, even you in your life, prayer and the Word of God. It's got to be priority in life. You've got to put it front and center. Just like they say, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. What is the main thing? Prayer and the Word of God. That's what it was so important. And they're saying, this is a real problem. We've identified the problem. We agree it's a problem. We're going to fix the problem. But number one, we are not going to pull back from the Word of God or preaching the Word. The enemy set them a trap. If you think about what he did, he set them a trap. And he set them a trap not only by sending in the problem, but how are they going to deal with it? If they dealt with it like this, they could have one of three things. One, pretend, like I said, number one, pretend it didn't happen. You know it would have got worse and it would have destroyed them. Number two, if they would have justified what was going on. Yeah, but you all didn't do this or we don't think it's it. If they would have justified the problem and act like it wouldn't marginalize it, we don't really think it's that big of a problem. We need to focus on the word and, and the word of God and just move forward. No, then it would, they would have lost. They would have been defeated. Or if they would have, I'm trying to think what my, what my third one was. I can't remember So because I, I didn't write it down. 
But whatever, they, they had three different ways that they could have fell in a trap. But they didn't. But we need to realize that even on this verse, it's talking about the Word of God. Verse 4 says, but when we give our, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That word ministry there means serving. Serving the Word. It's almost like you come to a banquet table and the host is taking food and putting it on your plate. Putting good things for you to eat. And they're saying the most important thing is that we get in that word of God and we get in prayer and we hear from God. And then when you come and when the, when the people come to hear that we're serving you something that's going to edify you and strengthen you and help you. Because if we do all these other things right and we miss out and don't hear from God, then it's going to weaken the entire church. So they had their priorities correctly. So we've got to keep the priority the main thing. So they have, they've dealt with the problem, and that's how God wants. He wants to see the problem. He wants us to see what the priority is, and then he's gonna, he'll give you a plan. Let me tell you something. He will give you a plan, and here's what their plan was. Verse 3 and 5, it says, verse 3 says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, let me look at that for just a second. Unpack that just a little bit. Do you think for one second that this plan that seemed like it was just immediate, they went to, no doubt there was some prayer involved here. They went to prayer and they come out of that prayer closet and they come and they called the whole church together. And they said, here is what we're going to do is that you all need to look out and find among yourselves seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom and have a good report. And so where did that come from? Was that from their, did one of the disciples just have a great ideal? Uh, or no, their ideal was less, one of them could have said, they would have said it like two weeks before this or, or a month before this. They would have said, hey, let's just pretend it didn't happen. Hey, let's, let's do this, let's do that. Let's try, to, let's try to, you know, do something else. They would have come up with some plan that wouldn't have worked. It would have been a disaster. What helped these men? What gives the ability? It's the Holy Spirit. They've been filled and all of a sudden they go to prayer and the Holy Spirit is put a finger in their heart and says this is the answer of what you need to do. Now, it, it was kind of, this was kind of common in their culture whenever they had business de dealings, whenever a city wanted to do something, whatever, they would search out seven men that of good report. They, their requirements wasn't the Holy Ghost, but they would search out seven men of good report that you knew you could trust and they would set over business. And so these these 12 apostles set up and asked them to choose out themselves. They didn't say, let me pick the 12, seven. Let's pick, put seven of our people. You all choose the seven and give them, bring them to us. And so we see, and at verse 5 it says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude. How do you know God was involved in this? That answered it right there. The entire group. The thousands, now how many times can we make a decision that thousands of people are all satisfied with? It has to be God. And so if you have something that you face and we deal with something in our lives or our families or even our church, we've got to come to God because he'll give you an answer that will answer the whole thing. He can put everything to peace if we trust in him. And the, pleasing, the saying pleased the whole multitude, a multitude and they chose what a wonderful man and there's a reason why his name is first and they expand a little bit. And they chose Stephen, 
We're not going to get to spend a lot of time on Stephen tonight. Maybe next Wednesday. But they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And then Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and uh, Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So they chose seven. By the way, most of these names, if not all of them, are Greek names. So they picked men that were from the probably the uh, Greek Jews, their best men that had, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. In fact, we see we only we see some of these men. Uh, what what happens to them is uh, we're going to see in the, just in a few verses. You're going to see Stephen, who is becomes a powerful preacher of the Word of God, and he is the first martyr of the church. And God, even through that death. God impacts the whole church, and he even impacts Paul because Saul at that time. He, he is involved in later plague because of what happened. So we see they chose men that were going to meet the need. These, they knew they were going to meet the need for these Greek widows, and they would also take care of the, uh, the Hebrews' widows because they were from the, most of these were Greek. And even one of them we know for sure was a proselyte that wasn't even a Jew, was a Hebrew, I mean, was a, a Gentile. And so we see that. And then we see Philip. Man, Philip became a powerful evangelist. Powerful evangelist that we know. What do we, we see him down? We're going to see him a little bit later. And he's, God used him to preach the word and preaching and revivals and then brings him out in the wilderness and, and preaches that to uh, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch. And then we see that he's translated right back into the city and he's preaching a revival again. I mean, wow. And he had, what, four daughters? Is it four daughters or five? Four daughters that was full of the Holy Ghost and would prophesy. Wow, what a man. Did they pick the right people? They sure did. They picked the right people. And something, you know what? I found something. This, this isn't in, in this scripture. Some of the ancient writers, the only other name that, that actually is listed anywhere is this Prochorus. This Prochorus is supposed to be a man that later down the road actually became a companion of the Apostle John and a secretary. He did some of his writing. And so he became involved in the church. And so some of these other names we don't hear about. But they chose men that were faithful and ready to serve. And so God had plans for these men. And the first step of this task, you may say, God's got something for me. He wants me to serve. He wants me to serve table. Come on, God, can't you do better than that? But we see that this first God will, first of all, we're going to see uh, in the next step, we're going to see God prepares you for it. But we need to realize God will test you with something smaller. God will give you a smaller task. And if you're faithful through that task, God is preparing you and already has plans that he wants to use you here so that he can use you up here. So we have to trust Him, even the little, whatever God gives you, you need to realize, whatever it is, do it all to the glory of God because God is using things as stepping stones that He can use you. And so you need to realize that that's what God is doing. And so what was their the immediate plan that they had to meet this need? Get men full of the Holy Spirit and, and filled with wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? From God, through what? The Holy Spirit. So, and, then, and then it wasn't just, hey, they said they've been filled and, and, and they've got uh, a, a spirit of wisdom to where they make good decisions. You need men in leadership that makes good decisions. And we got some good men here. But, uh, but it also says a good report. Hey, I, we want to, the word. You, do you know, you can put people on this list. You say, hey, that person I know is, man, that person's got such a sweet spirit and the Lord's all over them. And man, I, if I had a problem, I would go to that person. And, and they're, 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 uh, 
uh, reputation goes before them. And you know you can trust them and people have common. That's the kind of people that they were looking for. So we see where we've looked at the problem. We've looked at the priority. We've looked at the plan. Now we're going to look at the preparation. Do you know that God, a long time before he asked you to do something, he's already been working in your life? You know, I, I'm telling you, if there's anything I've seen in the last two years, it's this one. Is that God is working in your life and he's preparing things and you don't understand what he's doing. He starts stirring you in a certain way. He starts changing you. He gets you to start doing things different. Your interests become different. The things he's wanting you to do and drawing you into some things to get a little deeper with him or whatever. Whatever he's asking you to do, realize you don't understand right now what that is. You need to do that faithfully. Because God will prepare your heart before. These men couldn't, these men were not waiting until that moment. They were not chosen because they were, they were new converts and they just got saved the night before. No, these were people who had been giving and yielding to God and filled with the Spirit and they had a reputation that God was everything to them. And so that God had been working and preparing them for this task for a period of time. I've told you this before, nine months. It's, it's, you know, it's, I was thinking, what's the significance of nine months like giving birth or something? But nine months before I came here, God was working. I didn't have a clue what he was doing. I had no clue. It didn't make sense. I had a lot of questions. God, what? I did. I said, I don't know how many times. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, just, I wasn't trying to argue with him. I was just like, I know you're doing something because I feel it. I know you're doing, you're, you're trying. What are you doing inside of me? Because you're doing something. And you're trying to move me. And I was thinking, what am I supposed to do? Because I knew something was going on. I just didn't know what it was until one day. And then I knew what it was. I mean, in one day, I knew what it was. So, uh, but, and, and I can tell you other things in my life. God, even when I became a youth pastor before I came here, God was stirring me. God was put, I didn't even understand what was going on. I didn't even think what was going on was, I just, I knew God was turning my heart and giving me a desire for this group of young people. And I, and there was, and just so you know, there was, there, and I didn't even say anything. I just kept trying to do things and I kept praying about it and saying, because I knew that there was 18 different couples that had applied to be the youth pastor, 18 from all over the country. And so when you have 18 people, and that's applying for a position, you know somebody's getting it. <laughs> you know this is going to happen. So I, I just I kept saying to God, God, what are you doing? Why is my heart toward these young people? Why am I feeling like, and I, I just kept doing things with them and, and started having Sunday night fellowship after service and all kinds of things we was doing. And I was just trying to keep them busy till they got there. And I just, and God was just stirring me. And I was like, God, this don't make sense. I know somebody's coming. Why are you? And, and finally, I had this meeting. Uh, the pastor called me into his office and said, hey, how's this thing you're doing with the kids going right now? I said, oh, it's going great. It's going great. And he says, brother, I am so discouraged. <laughs> he said, let me tell you something. He said, um, we've had 18 couples, as you've known, that was applying for this. And, man, there's some good ones. They were some good ones. He said, we narrowed it down to three. Three couples, all three of them, man. Awesome. Could work in the school, do all kinds of stuff for us. And we, one at a time, offered it to those three, and they act like they wanted it. And to the last minute, they said, we can't come. Something's happened. We can't come. And he said, one, two, three. He said, it's, they're, they're all gone. He said, 18 couples, and it's just totally nothing. He said, I don't know what to do. He says, is there any chance you could just keep doing what you're doing? I said, now, let me tell you the other side of the story. And so I was able to tell him, God's been working on me, and I didn't understand what was going on. And he just said, praise the Lord, it's yours. <laughs> it's yours. So that was six years. Six years later, I finally turned it over to somebody a lot younger. But the point is, it doesn't have to be in ministry like that. 
whatever God has on you, He's going to start dealing with it. He's going to open your eyes that you're going to see something that nobody else sees. You're going to have a burden that no one else sees. You're going to look around and say, does nobody see that need? Does no one see? Why ain't the church doing something about that? You know what's going on? What was going on? Why was these people getting stirred? Because God, it wasn't the apostles that fixed it. They, they, God used the people that brought the problem to fix the problem. God's saying, we're stirring you up because that problem does need to be fixed, and you're going to be the solution. You are going to be the solution. Why do you think God stirs us? Because he wants to use us. And so we need to realize that he wants, he will prepare you. He will burden you. He will empower you for what he wants you to do. He will give, you don't have to worry about it. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you from experience. You don't have to worry about making it happen. You don't have to worry about, are you going to be successful? Because as long as you put him first, he is going to give you everything you need. That's why he says when you stand before kings or you stand before these people, don't think about what you're going to say. Why? I'm going to put the words in your mouth. I'm going to give you. There's been so many times God came through exactly what I needed, and I, I knew it wasn't me. It was him. It's because he will empower you with what he wants you to do, and he'll call you. And at the very moment you need to do it, he'll call you. He, even if you're in the desert as an 80-year-old man, he will go get you and say, now's the time for your ministry to begin. I've been preparing you for, for 80 years, and 40 years you've been running in the desert, and you thought nobody even knew where you were. I knew where you were. Come and do it. You're going, to be, you're going to be a name next to Jesus Christ, probably the, uh, one of the most mentioned names, Abraham and Moses. What a, what a powerful thing God can do. And then we're going to look finally at the power. So, so when, when, God, when there's a problem, we need to realize we identify the problem. We see that what the priority is. The word of God and prayer has got to be number one, keeping close to God. Then he will give us a plan. He will show us the preparation that he has already been preparing this and he knew about it way before you ever got to this point. And then if we do what he says, you'll see God's power manifest itself. Verse 7 tells us about that. It says, and the word of God. When they did what they were supposed to do and what God called them to do, and they were the answer, and they freed the apostles so they could do the task that they, uh, that they were called to do, and they took up this load, not only were they fixing this problem, but we see that the power of God was able to, to move because of it. It says the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem, greatly. It means a number you can't hardly even count because they were reaching the world. It went from good to awesome. They couldn't count the people. Why? Because they were in unity again. Everybody was pulling their own way. They were all doing the task that God had called them to do. If we pull our weight, if each of us says, God, what do you want me to do? And you do it to, unto the Lord with all your might, and I give everything I've got to my mind, and we work together, we will accomplish so much more than if one person tries to pull the whole weight. It won't work. So we need to see that God has power that he wants, and he's got a work he's trying to do. We need to see that God empowers these men to bring peace. We see that in that verse. I was reading them in verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. God empowered these men to deliver provision. I was seeing that these men, as they went to these little widows each day, and they may have thought this wasn't that important until they... Have you ever been around someone and you get to them, these little ladies, and I know Dad has, and you go to pray for them and you think, oh, they're in the hospital, and, and I, there's some that I would visit. Even at Christmas time, I had this one uh, that I would go visit a little bit. I forgot this last year. I feel so bad about that, I'll just admit. But when I go to would go to see her, and I would try to encourage her. When I left, the opposite just happened. 
She encouraged me more than I encouraged her. And so I could see these men, they were in, so they need to be, whether it was just money or bread or both, whatever it was, they came and they ministered to these little ladies who had uh, uh, no one to help them. And when they come bringing these things, I can see that little, that these men of God was ministering to their physical need. And then these little ladies, no doubt, was so grateful. They may even have said, could you fix this little leaky faucet over here? Do you care to look at that? for me or can you reach up on that cabinet and get that I can't get that can down or whatever and in the process that no doubt would probably say let me fix you something deep or they even said you know I've been a little discouraged and so the, that man of God was not only ministering to him physically but we know they became men of God preaching the word and God used them to do great miracles and so while they were there they were preaching the word and they were exhorting and they were encouraging these little widows and these people in the church and God started using them and their ministry became more than just feeding people it became a ministry that God used them. And when they, they weren't seeing the apostles, they were seeing these men on a daily basis. And God used them. And so whatever God gives you, realize God has more in store for you than what you think. It seems menial. But these people love these people. and They love to see them come. And God used them mightily. We see that. And we also see that God empowered these men to, uh, to encourage and preach powerfully to the people. We see that in Peter's life or Stephen's life. We're going to look at probably next week what happened in his life, but he preached so powerfully that it cut men's hearts to the core. That preaching that he preached was so on target that these hardened hearts were just severed to the core because his preaching was so powerful. And he had such a message, and it wasn't out of anger. It wasn't out of uh, uh, trying to hurt them because we see that even when they were biting him and stoning him, he was crying out just as Jesus had done that the Lord please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So we see this love, this preaching and love was actually hitting the mark. It was hitting the mark. And so this, they used them to prepare for preaching. And then, of course, we talked about Philip. And then you know what else? Because they done what they, they were ministering and encouraging people themselves. And the, the 12 apostles was able to stay in the word of God throughout the day praying and seeking God's face for what they were going to preach. And then when they came out, God was able to powerfully use them where they wouldn't have been able to if they had had to try to minister to these tables and to these widows themselves. So God empowered their preaching because these other people were willing to take up the load. When you and I work together to accomplish a task, we're going to reach way more people for Christ and if everybody picks up their load. So what today and what tonight can we accomplish together if we allow God to have full control in our lives? So God has a plan for dealing with problems in your church, in your life, and he will start it by what he starts stirring us, he prepares us, he fills us, and he does a mighty work if we'll just let him. And he wants to do that even in this hour. He's the answer. The Holy Spirit is at work. And so we just need to allow him to move. Amen. Amen. Tonight, let's, let's stand, if you would, tonight. And we want the Lord to move. And I, I don't know. See, I, I don't know what God, I didn't understand. Some of you... Some of you may not even, you know, you don't feel anything right now. You know what first thing would be is if you don't feel God stirring and you want God to move, is just start saying and make yourself available. God, 
Here I am. I want, I want you to do something in my life. And if he is stirring, that you say, God, keep me focused on you. God, let me hear your voice. And God, you accomplish. Don't let me give up. Lord, you do great things. Whatever you want me to do, here I am. And tonight, there is people that you can reach. There's people that we can reach if we just hear his voice and we make ourselves available. Tonight, so as we close, will you make yourself available to God? Will you just do that? Would you just lift your hands with me tonight? And as we end this service, that you say, here I am, Lord. God, you move and you stir. God, that's our prayer tonight, God. That, Lord, that you would. God, you see us. You, you see us, Lord. You know that, God, we're in a generation. We're living in a time, God, when there is so much to be done. Lord, Lord, there is so many souls that are lost. There are so many people not even contemplating their own souls as we heard tonight, God. And I pray that, Lord, that you would stir us, God, every single person. Lord, even those that are watching that are not here, God, that they would feel a stirring in their heart and that, God, if you're not already working, that you would start working. They would make themselves available to you, God. They would say, here I am, Lord. I want to be effective. I want to do what you want me to do. I make myself completely available to you and I want you to use me. Lord, prepare me for what you have for me. Don't let me get to the end of my life and be like Solomon and say, oh, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. But that you're yielded completely to God so that he can move. And God, those that you're already stirring, Lord, those that you've already been moving in, Lord, whatever you're trying to do, God, that you would open their eyes, that you would stir them with your mighty presence. You would, God, fill them full of your presence. You would empower them to, Lord, to be able to do what you want them to do. That, God, they would be able to step out and confidence, Lord, knowing that you've got it under control, that you're the one that's going to do the work. It's not in them. Almighty God, Lord, let us reach out to the lost. Let us reach out to those. Let's do the things. Let us see the needs as you see them. Let us have a heart for people as you have, Almighty God. And that, Lord, you pour out your spirit in this last day. God, let us be overflowing. Lord, let us be filled to overflowing with your presence that you can do the work you want to do. Lord, it's what you want to do. That's what you're trying to do. Are we making ourselves available? And God, I want to, Lord. I want you to have your way in this life right here. Start here, Lord. You do it, God. And then, God, I pray that you bless each individual, Lord, as they make themselves available, as they do what you ask them to do. God, you bless them. They can't even contain it. God, that they're overflowing. God, that they can't help but testify of the goodness of what you're doing in their life. Lord, you promise to be a blessing. You promise to bless your people. You promise to pour out your spirit. Oh, God, give us a desire, Lord, like never before. That's step number one. God, overflow us. God, that you would be able to move. And we thank you for what you're doing. We're encouraged in you tonight, Lord. We're encouraged. We thank you, Lord. You're on the move. We thank you, Lord. You're doing what we can't even see. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing the miraculous, Lord. The enemy says, no, he's doing nothing. But your spirit says, yes, I'm at work. And God, we believe your spirit. We believe your word. And God, we know you're going to do mighty things. God, protect our people. And God, encourage our people. And move, Lord. And God, even Sunday, God, that you would move in this service. Bring in the lost, mighty God. Lord, let there be conviction again, Lord, that people's hearts hearts would sense their need for you. God, we're in the last days. We need to know, God, we're right with you. And God, I pray that you would do it. Let us see revival. And we thank you what you're doing even on a Wednesday night, God, and encourage these. Lord, as I'm closed tonight in prayer, 
Thank you, Lord, for these faithful souls that are in the service tonight. God, put a special blessing on them. God, move on them in such a mighty way that, God, they feel the sweet spirit of the Lord in their lives, in their car, in their bed, at their job, that they just feel your presence, God. You are a good God, and I thank you that you're still on the throne, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.